going to observe Holy Communion uh, later in the service, and if you didn't get the elements on the way in, you raise your hand. Uh, we will see. Just keep your hand up till the servers come. Here we go. Anybody else? Okay, and those of you who are streaming, we're good, Dallas. Thank you. Um, any of you who are streaming, um, if you don't have the uh, elements that we're observing with, the cup and the uh, bread, you could make some kind of a substitute with uh, perhaps a fruit beverage and bread to observe Holy Communion with us uh, later in the service. The book of Hebrews uh, will be our text on Communion Sundays, and uh, next week we will return to the burning bush and other lessons that God taught Moses regarding his holy character. We'll take that up next Sunday, but uh, this morning we're in the book of Hebrews for the observance of Holy Communion. The book of Hebrews seems to be a discussion of the sacrifice of Christ in order to inspire and encourage the Hebrew Christians to press on in their walk of faith with Jesus and not to give up or not to get in, embroiled in discussions and issues that really have nothing to do with following Jesus. You noticed in the passage this morning there was a lot of information about angels. It, it appears as a background that these people were too taken up with angels and uh, were losing their focus on the primary issue of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now these phrases uh, that I'm picking on uh, through the book um, I call catalysts. Now we have, we have a chemical engineer in our congregation who can explain in great detail uh, after the service what a catalyst is. And I accept the laughter. That's, that's all well intended. Um, a catalyst is something that speeds up a chemical reaction. Or it can, I guess, slow it down. And these verses of scripture I'm focusing on speak to my heart and to my mind regarding the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And so I want something to get my mind and heart uh, active and alive so that I can absorb what is in this wonderful text for my life in response to the Lord Jesus. So I call these, these uh, short bursts of scripture catalyst. And uh, next first Sunday of the month, we'll have another catalyst. Some of you uh, remember when the Vietnam War came to a close, the uh, North Vietnamese and the United States government were meeting in France to, uh, to discuss bringing things to an end. And there was great discussion about the shape of the table. Shape of the table? Are they buying a table? Do they want a round table, an oblong table, a square table? No, the discussion about the shape of the table was who was in the seat of power, who was calling the shots. And so I'm addressing this study this morning as the shape of the table. 
one who's sitting in the position of power at this table we're looking at is the Lord Jesus himself. He is in charge of what we are talking about and what is being discussed. So make no mistake about it. I'm not at the head of the table. The Lord Jesus is at the head of the table, and he's going to take care of business. The text we had read for us said in the time past, God spoke through the prophets, and he did this many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken unto us in his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and by whom uh, he created the universe, or he created the world. This passage of scripture is going to tell us what it is that God says through his son. It's going to tell us of two anchoring points that we can have in our life. And it's going to tell us what else there is that God has to say to us. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I have this arrangement with the man upstairs. We've all heard that. Well, first of all, there's no man upstairs. And secondly, the only way we communicate to God, with God, is through the door, the Lord Jesus himself. There are no private arrangements. There are no side deals that are cut. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. So the only, the only way to deal with God is to deal with Jesus. In the Old Testament, the prophets spoke of a Messiah who was coming. Well, Christ is the Messiah. He has come, and he is the Son through whom the Father speaks. The expression, in these last days, stands in great contrast to the repetitive messages that were sent from God through the prophets. This is not a repetitive thing. In the fullness of time, what the prophets promised has come to pass, and God has spoken in his Son. Now, the word that's translated into English here, spoken, has the force in the original language of finality and completeness and comprehensiveness. In other words, this is the final message. The Son delivers the final message and puts everything else together, just like it was promised in the fullness of time that was promised through the prophets. Messiah has come, and he has spoken. Now, when I was a child, maybe 10 or 12, I did something that I shouldn't have done. You don't need to know what it was. I remember <laughs> my father talking to me, and and. He made it very, very clear that I was not to behave this way and that he never wanted to talk to me again about this. I remember that like it happened five minutes ago. It's the final word. This is it. Well, what God has to say to us, he has said, God spoke to us by his son, by his son. What kind of a message is that? Well, it's a message that instead of sending a message through someone else, 
God himself came in the person of his son, and he not only gave us a message that has content, he is the message. He delivers the message, and he is the message. So any dealings with God are not just related to information. It's all relational. The Son not only delivers the message, he is the message. And so we're invited into this relationship. And this one who delivers the message and is the message, he gives us a point of origin and a point of destiny. What is it that transpires when Jesus gives us the message of forgiveness and redemption? Well, we face the one who gives us our origin and our destiny. If we listen to Jesus now, we have a message of salvation. He said, I came not to judge and condemn. I came to deliver the message of salvation. Judgments later, but today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of the relationship we have with Jesus. God spoke to us in the past, to our ancestors by prophets, many ways. In the last days, he's spoken to us with finality by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. He's the heir that's our point of destiny. He's the creator. That's our point of origin. The only way to deal with God is to deal with his son, who has given us a point of origin and a point of destiny. When Jesus talks on behalf of the Father, we find out why he's here, and we find out why we're here. We were made to know where we're from, and we were made to know where we're going. There are some people who speak about the doctrine of creation as though it's unimportant. It's not unimportant. If you heard the passage read, and you did, Hebrews 1, 1 through 14, the doctrine of creation was talked about over and over again. This is put in a passage of scripture that's talking about the character and the identity of Jesus. The doctrine of creation isn't just something that's talked about in the book of Genesis. God talked to, in the book of Job about the doctrine of creation. The gospel of John begins with the character of Christ and the doctrine of creation, as he's the creator. So if you took all the passages in the Bible that talk about the doctrine of creation and took them out, the Bible would fall apart. Don't let anyone in the name of science talk you out of God as our creator and our maker. I'm not ready to give it up. A lot of other things I'm not ready to give up either. So the only way to deal with God is to deal with his son Jesus, who gives us a point of origin and a point of destiny. In verse 2 of uh, 
Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is described as the heir of all things. He's the one who's going to get it all when it's all over. It's where things are going. That's the point of destiny. The Son is not only the creator, but he's the one who gets it all in the end. So I know in him where I'm from, and I know in him where I'm going. Origin and destiny are so important. Tucked away in this section that talks about the character of Christ as God's message spoken to us. There are, there are secrets for having a stable, secure life, a balanced life. There are secrets here. There are two of them. Uh, I would like to give you an illustration first, and then I'll talk about the doctrine that brings stability to the Christian. One of the first lessons a truck driver learns is secure the load. It doesn't matter whether you're taking a class to get your CDL, or you're taking the test to get your CDL, or you're taking a recertification for your hazmat. doesn't matter. This expression, secure the load, comes up. So what did you learn at church this morning? Well, we learned to secure the load. Friday, I hauled some beautiful metal cabinets down near Pittsburgh, and uh, they get electrical equipment inside of them, so they were loaded in the truck, put blankets over them, pads over them, and we secured the load. Each one had a big strap around it, so, so when I went around the turn, these beautiful cabinets didn't go out through the side of the truck. Secure the load. That's important. Now, the personal application of this in a doctrine Tucked away in this section of scripture, Christ is our creator and Christ is our heir. He's the one everything's going to. Those are two, if you please, hooks in the Bible that I attach my life to. And I'm strapped down knowing who's my maker and where I'm headed. It's... it's it's that simple. There is more to us than our family. My mom and dad, I have no grievance with, with them and how I was raised. I have two sisters. I, I have one sister left, but I, when I was born, I had a sister 22, a sister almost 21, a brother 18, and then me. And I, have, I, I don't believe I've ever had an argument with my um, my sisters or my brother, um, I, I had three mothers. I had my mother, mother, I had Mary Jane, I had sis. <laughs> How could you make a mistake? Three mothers. <laughs> my brother was always very good to me. When I was dating Pam, he'd send me some money and tell me to take her out on a date. He gave me, he gave me the idea for my doctoral dissertation. And I wrote it down, and I have it on a piece of paper. Where is it? It's in my garage, where everything else that we own is, <laughs> except the stuff 
we need to, to live with. We, we are living in a house, but the, the stuff I'd like to get my hands on is in the garage stored safe and sound. But I have it written down where the conversation happened, what he said, the date of it, whole thing. Um, so I have no bad issues with my family, my mom and dad, uh, or, or anything. But there's, and I like my town I was raised in, Enola. What a place. You got to go there. I've had people from Watertown, when they traveled through Enola, stop and get photographed in front of the gas station where I worked and down. <laughs> down at Upple's truck lot where I worked. I love where I grew up. Um, my high school, you know, I got no complaints. And I can describe all that stuff to you. But there is more to me than what I've just described. I have a maker and I have a destiny. And I get a lot of security out of how I was raised and the friends I have and hometown, all that stuff. We all do. I, I would hope you do. But there's more to us than that. And what the more is, is we have a maker who knows everything about us more than anybody else does. And he is the heir of all things to whom I'm going. So, talk about stability. It's there in black and white. The Christian life is way more than some mental agreement with some ideas. It's a relationship. And we, we have this relationship, and we feed on this relationship in our hearts. We feed on Christ in our hearts by faith. So we listen to the Son. We feed on our hearts by faith. Every sermon should have something to know. And what I know and understand from this study is simply that there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. Every sermon should have something to believe, and I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. I believe this information, and I believe in the person of Jesus who delivered it, Jesus delivers the message, and he is the message. And what I do with it is I believe in all of my heart in the person of Jesus with all my heart and all my mind, and I confess with my mouth who he is and what he claimed to be. And we can all do that when we sing the next song. It is a song that portrays that we literally dress ourselves in the righteousness of Jesus. We'll sing that and then we will observe Holy Communion.
You can stand or sit, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but Art asks us to um, sing the hymn 157, Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious stress. Mid's flaming world in these arrayed with joy shall observed Holy Communion many, many, many times in your life. And you probably remember that every time the words of institution are given, that we are to eat the bread, Jesus says, in remembrance of me. And when he talks of the cup, he uses the expression, in remembrance of me. I want to give you a lesson in Mandarin which is a Chinese language. 
when I speak, for 15 years I was, they didn't call me this, but I called myself this, the preaching pastor at Harrisburg Chinese Alliance Church. And I, I preached, I did the conducting of baptisms, I did premarital counseling, and I did Holy Communion and the blessing of children. When I would say words in Mandarin, I would get a nice smile from my friends, and the smile meant, I think you know what you're getting to, but you're not quite there yet. <laughs> so for me <laughs> to give <laughs> a language course in Mandarin is just, yeah, I'm not sure. However, the Chinese characters are little pictures of, of an idea. And I have in my folder little ideas that people have told me what these characters mean. Like, for example, there's one, one character that's associated with a person's name, and it looks like there are little trees in there. And so I'm guessing that, that if put their name in English, they'd be called Forest. Their last name would be Forest, or, or would be Wood, or Woodward, or something, something like that. There are little trees in there. Now, the word remember has a heart, and it looks like a dagger over it. When your heart dies, you don't remember. When you don't remember, heart dies. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is just, ah. When your heart dies, you don't remember. And when you don't remember, your heart dies. So Jesus said, and get our hints. Night, the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he said to his beloved followers, um, do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray, and then we'll eat together. Our Father God, we thank you for the words of institution, whereby our dear Savior instructed his followers at that Passover meal that they were and we are to remember him. And we remember him as our dear Savior who gave his life for us, and we eat the bread in faith. Amen. Let us eat together. Now, in the Passover meal, unleavened bread was eaten. It was unleavened because the children of Israel were leaving Egypt quickly. So it, it was called the bread of haste. Because it's not leavened, it is also a symbol of the purity of the sacrifice of Christ. And so we are a pilgrim people feasting on the purity of Jesus Christ for our salvation and our redemption as typified in remembering uh, the Lord giving his body uh, for us. Precious, precious symbol. Also during the Passover meal, the Lord Jesus took a cup were a number of cups of wine that were consumed during the meal. Over one of them, 
he spoke that this cup is the new covenant uh, in his blood. And we, as often as we did this, we were to do this in remembrance of him. And again, we're back to the idea that Jesus wants us to remember. In fact, I have lists of things I want to study. And on one of my, I've, I've actually have cards that I wrote when I was in seminary of things I wanted to pursue. I still have those cards. I haven't done those studies yet. They're, they're in a desk drawer in my office. So preaching, preaching is something that you're never done studying and you're never fully prepared. There's always more to do. But um, I want to do a study on all the Bible has to say about remembering because there are a lot of things in the Bible that we are to remember, and it's for our spiritual good because when we don't remember, our heart dies. When our heart dies, we don't remember. So remembering is a big deal for Christians. Some of these songs we sang this morning reminded me in May 11, 1963, when I became a Christian, you know, things, things changed. And um, remembering, the remembering is a, is a big deal in our life. So the Lord Jesus, after supper, took the cup, said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Um, as often as you drink, you remember me. So let us pray, and then we'll drink together. Father God, we thank you for the shed blood of our Lord Jesus, who, in the sacrifice of his life, provided for the cleansing of her sin and the giving of the gift of eternal life for us. We want our hearts to remember and our hearts to be very much alive, our hearts to be alive and our minds remembering you and your goodness to us. We worship you in the drinking of the cup. Amen. Let us drink together. There are times when, as you get older, you repeat yourself. And I've learned through a man who's a great communicator that what you say is, I'm not repeating myself. I'm restating a great truth. So I want to restate something. I know and understand from this passage of Scripture Jesus is the only way to God. I believe that he is God's final message to me and that he gives me a point of origin for my life and a point of destiny for my life. And what I do with the things I know and the things I believe is that these have provided anchors for my life so that I don't have to live wondering about where I'm from or why I'm here or where I'm headed and where I'm going. This is all bound up in Jesus. Now, 
in Jesus is everything I need. I'm in him and he's in me. Somewhere in my folder here, I have four pages of verses from the Bible that use the expression in Christ. So where do you live? I could say, well, I live in such and such an address in Spartansburg, Pennsylvania. But that's not really where I live. I live in Christ. Where do you live, you know? We live in Christ. So restated, I know this, I believe this, and I seek with all my heart to practice it in my life. Let us pray. Father God, we're going to sing before you another piece of music that allows our hearts to be open to you and tender before you. Accept the praise we've given and what we offer. We love you with all our hearts. We worship you in Jesus' name.